Hello, and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have the privilege of interviewing Ron Carson of Carson Wealth. For those of you unfamiliar with Ron, Ron is a very successful and very well-known advisor, entrepreneur, and thought leader in the space of financial planning in the U.S. One note, I do apologize. The connection for this interview is not fantastic, so there will be times where the connection cuts out and you will miss a couple words, but I am confident that you'll be able to follow along. Hello, Ron. How are you doing, Jason? Thank you for taking the time to come on today. I appreciate the invite. Well, uh, it's, it's not every day you interview basically a wealth management legend in the U.S., so uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's true. So, uh, Ron Carson of Carson Wealth, tell us about Carson Wealth. Let me give you just a little history here, Jason. I think it helps the listeners understand where we're at today. You know, briefly, I grew up uh, just north of Omaha, Nebraska on a farm. This is a real Reader's Digest version. Thought I was going to become a farmer. Parents went broke in 1982. Interest rates, by the way, were 21.5%. What a contrast to where they are today. Uh, that's quite the bond. Sitting in, uh, yeah, sitting in my study hall in the library, looking at Money Magazine, top professions in the future. One was become a financial certified financial planner. Just Decided that's what I would do. So in 83, I started out of my college dorm room, what today is known as Carson Wealth, which is a retail offering where we direct, we're B2C to the consumer. Then in 93, 10 years later, because of the success I had had in Nebraska, I think people, by the way, they're like, how on earth do you grow in Omaha, Nebraska? I think they <laughs> thought we didn't have running water paved roads, electricity, all that. So they come to Omaha and they would spend some time with me and I'd show them everything I was doing. I was glad to do it. I don't know what they envisioned, but I was, I was the largest producer at the time for the largest independent broker dealer in the US. And I had done that for 20 some years in a row. And I had developed some different ways. You know, Passion prospecting was something I developed. Love affair marketing, something I developed how to delegate, how to systematize. So I really decided I can teach this. And so I started a coaching consulting group in 93. Today, we have just north of 5,000 advisors that are in Carson coaching and consulting. And we have 20,000 active alumni. When I say active, Jason, they'll come in for a period of time and they'll leave. But what, what I realized as I went through my career is I would show other advisors exactly how to do it but the execution was not what they wanted. And mm -hmm. I just, you know, it's hard, right? We're asked to wear so many hats, do so many things. A lot of advisors didn't get into the space to become a business owner, but then they became a business owner, continued. Mm -hmm. They went from passion of love, helping people to all of a sudden, I got all this stuff and hey, I agree with what Carson says, but I don't have the, I have great intentions when I, they tell me what to do, but I rarely, get around to getting it done. And so 2012, I launched Carson Group Partners, which we invested in. I really wanted a technology to make everything simple. We call it a single pane of glass, where it's a great user experience, great client experience, both for the advisor and the client. We say we make the complex simple. And we've really become as much a fintech offering today. You know, we won this year, best places to work in fintech and separately in wealth management. Wow. And it is just, we got lightning in a bottle. We will pierce the $10 billion AUM mark here in the next two or three weeks. We're really close to it now. Although the market's down this last week, it could take a little bit away. And we got another $3 billion of committed assets. So if we don't do another thing, when we'll end the year about $12.8, $12.9 And to think we were 
you know, we've like 15 folded the business since 12 because there's such a demand for, I call it showing value beyond a doubt. We're in it. We're in a period when I first started in 83, if people liked you, you sit down, had a cup of coffee and they connected, they would give you money. And there was really no way for them to know how they were doing. The advisor didn't really even know in those days, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have all the information. And now consumers are like, I'll make an investment in my future known as a advisory fee but I want to see I'm getting value beyond a doubt. And so that's what this whole ecosystem, single pane of glass uh, experience and what is what allowed us to grow so rapidly is a validation that advisors want to get back to just doing what they do, meet with clients and have everything else taken care of. And then on the consumer side, consumers are like, hey, I'm willing to invest in my future but I want to see I'm getting a return. We actually acquired a firm in Chicago that we closed on in January, about $200 million firm, Jason. And we had to double the client's fee, or we call, I call it investment in their future because that's really what it would be. And we yeah. attracted a lot more assets. They're like, we are glad to pay when we get, when we see what we're actually getting. I think that's where a lot of advisors are, are, are on this incredible race to zero. And mm-hmm. if you're going to try to do that, you can't cut your fees low enough. Vanguard's already got that game. Yes. Going. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing freer than someone who's technically doing it for free. All right. Excellent. So you are the head of a very large, large enterprise that you built yourself. You guys are servicing a ton of assets and you're using technology to basically grease the wheels and create a better client experience and demonstrate value. Take me through how, what, what it, first of all, what it is you've built to do that, and then how I want to discover how it is you're demonstrating that value kind of in real time or as, as the relationship happens. Yeah. So what happens is when an advisor actually joins Carson, first of all, there's, like, there's several different layers, Jason, they can, levers they can pull. One is, let's just, let's isolate these because one is succession. A lot of advisors don't have a viable succession solution out there. So at Carson, when you join us, we can be your succession solution. We can be your backstop. And we will even invest in your firm if you want. It's an option. It's not required. And of all the 124 offices we have today, we own anywhere from zero to 100% and almost everything in between. So that's a separate offering. Once you are in the ecosystem, we do it all for you. We do your marketing. You know, we, Last year, we acquired Mineral. We're already pretty good at marketing. Mineral's taken us to a whole new level. We have built, we do the compliance, we do the trading, we do the asset management, and then we've built a tech stack that is all integrated, uh, single data entry, multi-data use. So once you put a piece of data in the ecosystem, you never have to think about it again. Let's get back to demonstrating value beyond a doubt. Mm -hmm. We all know that planning generates an incredible amount of value for the consumer. You have very few advisors really charge appropriately for planning, us included, if you're charging an asset management fee. And the reason why we haven't jumped on the bandwagon was because it's not a bandwagon yet. We decided we'd rather be fast followers and bleeding edge because mm-hmm. I was a fast follower on transparency and my competitors used it against me. I mean, I would sit there, by the way, and show all the costs. And they would only show their advisory fee and they're comparing it to all the costs, including every single thing included below the line, things you normally wouldn't see. I, I know that pain. I do the same thing and we're a little yeah. bit behind Canada. So. Now today, we're winning a lot of business because of it. But for me, to, you know, I've talked to some of the advisors we've coached. They've gone to a, 
you know, purely retainer fee planning model. And they said, it's like pulling teeth with clients. They said some of the new clients coming in, we offer it and they like it. But I had a lady transition. Everybody, she goes, my clients really preferred the old way of doing it. So it's like, why do I want to go through, through the brain damage? But let's come back to planning again, where we generate value. We now within our single pane of glass, when a client logs on, they can see every decision that was made with the advisor. There's a timeline. And you can go back and populate things that happened in the past. But if you move forward, you're actually in a meeting, you're creating a living document that is archiving every great decision you've helped the client make. And anytime they log in, they can blow up this timeline. They ever want to remind themselves how much value you're creating. And when we do our reviews now, we've reviewed the timeline, just a review of all the great things we've accomplished over the lifetime of the relationship. Because, you know, advisors do a very, most advisors will tell me, Ron, I didn't realize all the great things I'd done for a client until I saw it. I was like, wow. A lot of my clients are like, boy, I didn't realize we'd made so many decisions together. And so now we've been able to measure the reason most advisors have hung their hat on performance, which is a losing game, is that that's the only thing that was measurable. Well, now we've measured the planning alpha which is huge, right? I mean, you can see it. The other alpha that we can also show is client behavior alpha. We all know clients do the wrong thing at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And so through our digital allocation tool, which is all integrated, by the way, into the same system, we can measure a client's appropriate risk tolerance level and influence their behavior in a popular way. We are even now, we know when a client goes in, what do they look at? What's market? What's going on in the market? So we're getting to where we can go from behavior of the masses and what the averages do to be able to drill down to individual client behavior and anticipate when they're about ready to do something that probably isn't going to work out, i.e. panic at the bottom of a market correction. And that's why we have this family index number. So think about alpha through planning, alpha through behavior, influencing that. And then things that we just announced a couple of weeks ago, a partnership with Galileo, where mm -hmm. we're going to be able to offer cash. The technology that Galileo, by the way, Clay Wilkes, who founded Galileo, is a father of voice, of voice over internet protocol. Brilliant man. They did 100 billion transactions last year. We're the first RIA they're partnering oh with. God. I know. Think of that. Yeah. Here, a bank today, I'll be doing a client event tonight with my newest partner in... Um, in Colorado, in the Denver area, uh, Loveland, Colorado. And we'll be able to talk to clients about hey, who loves your bank. Everybody loves their bank. And then I said, how would you feel if the bank was taking 90% of your, of your return on cash? And they go, what do you mean? It's like, you're getting like 15 basis points today. The client, the, at a minimum, the bank's making Fed funds that call it 200 basis points or take basically 2%. Can you imagine if they credited that and took all that back at the end of the year? And like, yeah, I wouldn't like that. Well, guess what? We're going to flip the economics. We're going to be able to give you FDIC insurance, $2.5 million, not $250, $2.5 and And we're going to give you the 2%. And we'll retain the 15 basis points. So we're just going to flip the economics that the bank has to your benefit. How powerful do you think that is, Jason? When someone that they deal with every day, checking and savings can see, that's measurable, right? That's something I can do. Into 2020, we'll be offering legal document production through an outside law firm that will all funnel into the single pane of glass. 
an advisor will be able to choose whether they want to charge nothing or a nominal amount or whatever the market is for core documents under the financial planning portion of the, of the services agreement. So these are among many, you know, we'll be adding financial cognitive um, decision-making so we can measure the clients that want it can measure, how are they doing, should they bring a third party in, in. It's just an exciting time to be able to, and then AI, as we build data within the data warehouses, be able to get deeper and deeper knowledge of our clients' behavior. Imagine a world, Jason, where we can look at their entire plan real time, all the time, compare it to what they're doing, what's happening in their plan, and what's happening in the outside world with you know, tax law changes, estate law changes, whatever that might be, to where we can generate maybe zero, maybe three or four alpha generating ideas, but there's a process, and we're not doing this yet, but we're actually talking to a couple of different AI firms that I think this will be something we'll be able to add value in early 2021. And you know, we operate at Carson in the next now, the next next, and the next next next. So the next now, we have three buckets of investment is you know, keeping the what's going, the system going today, and what are features that we've committed to our partners that we're going to add. The next next is stuff that we'll add next year in 2020. And then 2021, we also have a bucket that we're investing in things that have going to have a very, very long payoff, but they're really important to make those investments today. When people come and they go, Ron, I love what you have. I got, hey, I've been, these features were baked two years ago. And so often people are trying to catch up. Let's just say with us, I hear all the time, I'm going to go build it on my own. And I'm like, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Because I didn't realize how lucky I'd become, not only the money we spent, but being in Omaha, Nebraska, with the talent pool, the cost of living is a fraction right. of where it is, everybody else, everywhere else. And it's a, it's, a hard, it's a hard business to be in. I have a new appreciation for just how difficult it is to get technology all to talk in an integrated way, but it's worth it. I mean, it. The productivity we're driving on the advisor side and client experience is validation that all the, you know, the pain and the money and the time was well worth it. That is astonishing, all the things you're handling. It's quite, <laughs> uh, I am quite jealous. Uh, green with envy, as you're probably seeing in the video. I want to unpack some of those, those functions, and there's a lot to go through. So this entire advisor, this client timeline. Is this keeping track of things that are not just done in conjunction with the client, but the things we do in the background as well? The research we do, the, the stuff that we're, we're prepping, uh, that we're prepping for client meetings that they may never know we've investigated on their behalf unless we tell them. Are you looking at both sides of that? Yeah, it's up to the advisor on what they mm -hmm. want to include, because you're right. I mean, some of the things we do are very measurable. Hey, we set up you know, a captive insurance company, we saved you $700,000 in taxes in 2011. That's very, very measurable. But there's other things like you hated your job, you're traveling to England, you know, London every two weeks, and we spent an entire Saturday deciding it was okay for you to quit your job, walk away from $10 million on unvested stock options and you know, restricted units. And now, you know, your life is, your marriage is good again. You've reconnected with your kids. But I think I've done those meetings and that's important to memorialize that because that is, you can't measure the alpha directly as in dollars and cents, but there's a huge emotion alpha that's been created there. So the advisor has the choice of what they want to include. For example, my partner in Amarillo, Michael David, he's Carson Wealth of the Southwest. 
his biggest client, the most critical of the fees that they paid, once he went to, he just did a review of them a couple months ago and went through and the client's like, oh my gosh, he says, he says, I hate to say this, but I think I've been underpaying you. And Michael's like, exactly. No, he was dead serious. I mean, oh no, I, I, I've had that compliment a couple of times myself and I, I just smile every time. <laughs> Thank you. There, he even included, because he showed me the review Michael said, yeah, and he had this concentrated stock position that was like a third of his net worth, and he absolutely didn't want to sell it. I talked him into buying some puts, and you know, we did some things, and that stock cratered and you know, generated like $14 million in additional gain that the client wouldn't have had without that. Mm -hmm. Client goes, did you recommend that to me? And he goes, absolutely. And here's the, here's the documentation. And the client goes, I'm glad you pointed that out because I had forgotten all about that. that. That was your idea. I always say the best ideas, Jason, after a period of time become the client's ideas. If we're not careful. <laughs> that, is, that is very true. If we, don't, if we don't make sure we stuck our, our foot in the ground and said, no, this, was, this is definitely us. <laughs> they forget sometimes. And what do you mean? And you know what? We're dealing with this every day. So we're forgetting some of the items that we're doing Absolutely. for the client. No, the client's forgetting them. It's like that great bottle of wine somebody sent to me at Christmas. By the time I pulled out of my cellar three years ago, it's like, I have no idea who gave it to me. So, absolutely. So it sounds like you're able to basically have discretion over, are we attaching a dollar amount to this, this activity or not? Is that the case? Only if it's measurable beyond, okay. I mean, if, it, it's, if it's straightforward dollars and cents, for example, the equity buying the puts, we knew exactly where the company is today versus yeah. where we exited the position. Things like counseling the client on quitting their job so they could have yeah. a real life there's no dollar amount that can no. be attached yeah and that's a real challenge i talked to other companies about designing systems about like that would that would basically measure the advisor alpha or gamma whatever else you want to call it it's so bespoke to the client situation right and you just you just outline enormous ones that one is fully qual qualitative the other oh, sorry quantitative and the other one is absolutely not but hugely valuable so bravo well done um, <laughs> paint a picture too, Jason. I just spent last night, I'm in, um, I'm in Venice, California right now. And there's a guy that I connected with out here yesterday, uh, her three hours. And he, like me, is, he really is excited about what AI is going to be able to do for the future. So just imagine we are, we know every time a client logs in, what they do, what they're looking at, so on and so forth. So now, I can say, Mrs. Jones, the market was down 2.12% today. And I noticed that whenever the market goes down by more than 2%, you spend about an hour looking at your stuff. I just wanted you mm -hmm. to know when you were in in October of 2018, because the system will know, right, when she was in, we actually have changed your objective from growth to growth and in income. And you'll be pleased to know that your account wasn't down 2.12. It was only down three-tenths of 1%. Your strategy is performing as advertised. I know you're scheduled to come in on June 10th at 2 p.m. because the system would know that. We mm -hmm. can discuss it then, or if you'd like to give me a call, we can discuss what's going on in the market today. Imagine, or it could be client came in and became aggressive back in October. Hey, if this yeah. level of volatility isn't for you, let me know. But we will be able to generate customized communication based on that individual client's behavior that will be more personalized. And if I wrote that individual letter myself.
I agree. I've already seen some uh, AI-driven document generation. I was quite surprised by it because I'm pretty sure I'd actually seen those reports <laughs> handed to me previously. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we always go next to the to the behavioral side of it. But you kind of tackle it there. I mean, you it seems like you've already crossed the chasm on data collection. You you see yourself. You understand the stewardship of data and being able to to integrate it across different verticals and are actually now looking towards actionable items and how we can impact people's behavior with that for the better. Fantastic. So the legal document side, this is another interesting value add. So basically, I think we're talking wills, powers of attorney, any kind of like legal Zoom type standard stuff is what we're looking at. Yeah. One of my board members, good friend of mine is actually developing technology right now that will allow this to happen. And so as I say that, I don't even know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I probably better not say any more than what I sold, said, but it's really cool. Yeah. Maybe have him on. This will be rolled out here at the end of this year, beginning of next year. and um, That would be great. I'm happy yeah. to. Uh, yeah. and now, before, without giving away too much, uh, maybe you can answer this question now. Maybe you can. Are we talking about potentially, I'm, I'm taking with all this data and the way you guys are thinking, you're probably trying to find the, the fastest way to get from start to finish, utilizing everything on your current system. So being able to draw in account numbers and policy number information and whatever it is, to flow over to that will and be ready for, for basically the base case to be populated very quickly. Yeah. I mean, let me give you another example. So I think of three dimensions of trust. The first dimension that advisors, that clients want to know is, hey, is my money safe? Are you going to steal it? And that's pretty mm-hmm. easy hurdle to overcome. The second dimension is, are you going to put my interest first every time? That is 65% of Americans still do not trust financial services. So yep. most advisors aren't clearing that hurdle. The holy grail is what we're talking about here in anticipating the client's needs is the third dimension of trust. Talked about AI looking at everything all the time, generating alpha. How about, Mr. Jones, I know you've got Susie going off to Notre Dame in August. I've enclosed a durable medical power of attorney. Please have her authorize this if you'll need it. Automatic, we know the kids, we know their ages. Who's getting out ahead to even think, and how good does a client feel that we were on top of it to proactively get this done for them? That is incredible. That is incredible. I mean, like, and, and it's funny because I'm sure you found to your, your history as well is that people seem to worry about their wills and their insurance a lot more when they're about to get on a plane, despite being the safest way to travel. And <laughs> when you think about it, I know, I tell people all the time. Because they fly with me, my team, you know, it was like the first time they get on the plane. I go, okay, you guys, as we're getting ready to land, I'll say, this is the most dangerous part of the trip. And they go, landing? I'll go, no, when you get in your car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I'm sure you've seen, you know, on the insurance side, you fill out an application and you see someone's got like a lot of moving traffic violations, yet they're afraid of flying. And it's like, no, <laughs> there's a disconnect. But yeah, I mean, like with, when I think about all the stuff you can do, given what you're building right now, with everything you just described in terms of, hey, you're going on vacation, here's your power of attorney, all this other stuff, that can also all be automated through the AI because we can just, you know, the triggers and the documents on are just simply saying, here's a link to the secure vault that you have where your power attorney can access it should the information be needed. You know, it's um, next level thinking, fantastic. And now onto the banking side, back to what you're doing with Galileo, which is, is particularly interesting. So are you actually looking to just hold on to deposit cash or are you actually looking to basically create your own Uber, uh, your own neobank where essentially you would actually have the transactions flowing through that as, as well? No, it's actually going to be, so what's cool about the way this works, a client will have a seamless experience with us, yet we're not going to be regulated as a bank. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be all on the Galileo side, um, and it'll be through National Bank. 
as well mm-hmm. handle that. So we're just here. We just want the benefit for the consumer, and uh, and we're going to allow Galileo to run everything else. But it's like Amazon Prime. You know, you go, you hit, you click, it shows up at your door. You have no idea, nor do you care, all the things that had to happen in the background and the way that Amazon delivers that experience five years ago versus today, there's a lot of different ways and different technologies they use. And the consumer doesn't know and they don't want to know. They just want to know they're getting the best, fastest, cheapest, highest value experience that they can. And that's whether these partners, things that we create on our own or things that we partner that we white label, like this would be called Carson Cash. So the consumer won't even know mm-hmm. it's being powered by Galileo, who actually also powers Robinhood. I don't know if you're familiar with familiar with them. Yep. Yep. So, and that opens up all kinds of interesting doors because now if you have, if you're the place where the cash goes, all the number of behavioral cues and things you can do like roundups and, and basically even like say more tomorrow as money gets deposited, you can create thresholds whereby if it goes beyond a certain level, Hey, this should be transferred over to your, here's the nudge to transfer this over to your investment accounts. It's, uh, it's interesting. The integrate, the power to integrate those cash balances with, with what everything else you're doing is, is incredibly powerful on the behavioral side. And, you know, and imagine the, the, the consumer or even a prospect, it's like, well, how do you add value to me? It's like everybody gets cash, right? So here, let me give you just one simple example. And what will happen is a consumer will interpolate that then into other things that you do, right? So if you can give them something up front that's easy and they understand, you're getting a huge amount of credit, which we should because we don't get nearly enough credit for all the other things you were pointing out earlier, Jason, that goes on mm-hmm. behind means to make sure that you know we're doing and adding value to the you know to the people we serve well you have most certainly thought about this from every dimension i can imagine uh and i give you kudos for that and i gotta tell you i get incredibly jealous when i have some of these conversations because (laughs) i do not live in this ecosystem and a little thing called the border prevents me from doing that (laughs) yeah so um so you know what jason it'll be there before you know it you know i think different of the country, you know, the, well, I'm lucky because I live in the center of the universe. So <laughs> see, Oma, I want to, for everybody listening to this, I want to set the record straight. People think that in Omaha, Nebraska, we're sometimes behind the rest of the world, but everything starts in Omaha. And then by the time it gets to the East coast and the West coast, we're around to something else that makes us look behind, but we're so far ahead. It appears we're behind. Yeah. It's funny, you know, people can discount you all you want, but end of the year, end of the day, there's always a, a ton of planes flying there for one big event every year. <laughs> You're right about that. Yeah. Uh, some of the smartest, most influential people in the world, that's for sure. So it's, it's hilarious. So what else are you, the open-ended question, what else are you working on for the next next that, uh, that is truly, you know, as revolutionary as what you've been doing to date? Yeah, our, our next next is the things I talked about, the you know, cash and the legal, but the big the biggie, which will go out to 2021, is leverage. we're building data and measure and, and, and we are mining behavior of our clients today. You know, we serve uh, right around 28,000 clients here in the US and leveraging AI as our next big initiative and just how that how that can add. I mean, there are things that we're going to be able to do that we can't even think about today that will be value added for the consumer. We'll know it when we see it, you know, like this financial cognitive testing. It's a huge need. 
people don't really think about it. And you know, who's going to provide that testing? And it's something that most clients would opt in. And if we can head off, you know, someone taking advantage of somebody because they weren't making the best decision, then that's another value add. So there's a lot of things that we look at and more and more that we'll be that we'll be adding. We just added, you know, on that, which I think is super innovative. On the investment side this year, we rolled out a thing called mission strategies where if you think of a structured note or fixed index annuity, we've stripped all the costs out of that. We're using treasuries to where we can, 18 months forward, we can either guarantee or come pretty close to guaranteeing clients' principal through a treasury and then participating in the upside of the markets. Uh, we're getting 80 to 90% upside with caps in the 11 to 14% range with virtually no downside risk. And so, you know, that was something that, that no one is doing. You know, they're doing the structures because there's credit risk there, which we have no credit risk, and they're very opaque with all kinds of other fees and expenses. And here we've created essentially the same thing with U.S. Treasury back guarantee and pushing the economics to the, to the consumer. So we're also innovative on the investment side of the business as well. We've been big into factor-based investing. We acquired QBI last year. It's one of our fastest growings. We acquired 17 gifts compliant records or alpha generation is through the roof. Rick Jaster, who runs that group. Yeah, I think you know, factor base is not active. It's not passive. It splits it down the middle. And I think the academic data is really powerful on how much alpha can be consistently generated through factor-based investing. So I think we're innovating. I'm talking about tech things, but we're really innovating all over the place. It certainly sounds like, and I must say, I, I think the thought leadership that you've demonstrated in this is something that a lot of uh, firms can learn from, because frankly, um, you not only understand, you clearly understand this business from the frontline standpoint for achieving as much as you did and from the building of a practice, but technology piece is often missing in so many of these. And you clearly have uh, spent some time making sure you're adept at that as well. So well done. Thank you. So before we wrap up, there are three kind of blue sky questions I ask people to think about and let me know what your thoughts are. But uh, essentially, the first question I have for you is if you had one wish of something you could change in the industry or your practice or wherever it might be, what would it be? We have one standard. Everybody had to be a fiduciary because consumers, I was was out here two weeks ago, spoke to about seven CEOs. I asked them who knew the difference between a fiduciary and a broker and not one of them knew the difference. I mean, these are are high net worth people. They don't know. I was interviewing um, Michael Dubin, who started Dollar Shave Club in Chicago at our conference. He knew, like he knew, he nailed it. But very, very, very few people know. So everybody had to be and was a fiduciary because consumers think that most people are acting in their best interest anyway. And it's unfortunate because, you know, that unfortunately that that veil of ignorance that we that some people benefit from is one that leads to suboptimal outcomes for everybody in, you know, the long journey you've had to get to where you are today. What are the biggest challenges to achieving the level you currently achieved? Getting out of your own way. So early on in my career, Jason, I felt like I had to know something about everything. And I always say I was trying to be a library. And then I became a librarian. And I surrounded myself with the best people I could find and get out of their way. And I love it. I mean, there's many times I was on a call this morning. It's like, I disagree, but I'm going to disagree and commit. And I'm going to get behind you. And most of the time, I'm wrong. On the bigger visionary things, I think I'm pretty good. But as far as tactics and how to get there, I really have a phenomenal team. And they're very creative. They come up with a lot of 
ideations that I never even thought were possible. So getting out of our own way, knowing we, let's surround, let's try to make yourself the dumbest person in the room, which I think <laughs> I've done a good job of doing. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't remember who said it to me years ago, but they said it's, uh, managing people is actually the easiest thing in the world. You hire people smarter than you and then let them do the job better than you ever could. Well said. Yes. The last question I, I wrap up with was, what excites you the most about what you're working on? Like what gets you out of bed every morning with the, the get up and go attitude to keep doing what you're doing? So Jason, I have, this is more recent. I've kind of had a rebirth of myself and you know, I've really committed, I've always wanted to leave my money to charity. And I started a foundation with Jeannie, uh, my wife, called the Dreamweaver Foundation, where they do end of life wishes for the terminally ill, impoverished elderly. And by the way, it's been fantastic. We did 100 dreams last year exactly. We'll do 150 plus this year. But as I look around the world, I really want to impact. I believe, and we didn't really get into this, but in 2021, we'll have an ecosystem where people can join us and zero assets. We can work with people today with zero, or we have zero, we have billionaires, but we want to be able to move up and down the value chain without having any friction or having leaving the advisor. And they can choose how and what they want to invest in their future. But I want to then, I want to be the most trusted Carson for financial advice. Nobody owns that in the wealth management space. I'd say Fidelity has it on the retirement plan, Vanguard and mutual funds, but nobody owns it in this space. And I would like to own it. And the benefit I would then like to do is, I have a farming background, 9 million people died of starvation last year, a billion people go hungry oh, yeah. every night. I want to make a dent in that with my financial resources. So, you know, that's, that's what really gets me. I mean, I want to change our profession. I'm having a ton of fun doing it. And there's a lot of value we get to add to the consumer. But those are first world problems. I want to make a dent in the real lives of people that operate in the first rung of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well said. Well, thank you. You've, uh, this has been an insightful, insightful interview, and I am thoroughly impressed by everything you've managed to accomplish and even more curious to actually get my hands on it at some point. <laughs> but that's the story. So uh, thank you yet again for your time. Thanks, Jason. It was nice, nice being on. So that was my interview with Ron Carson of Carson Wealth. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did, and you were probably no doubt as impressed as I was with not only the execution, but the level of thinking they've had on their platform. And with that, as always, I'm Jason Pereira, and this is Fintech Impact. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is at your podcasts. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.